Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome. We're in a series called Imagine Heaven, and this is week six of six. So we're finishing up. I know some of the people in our small group are sad to see it over, but uh, we'll move on to something else. If you've missed one or want to hear it again, on our Facebook page, you can watch the service, or you can, uh, the audios are on our website. Oh, before I go any farther, uh, appreciate <laughs> Let's give uh, appreciation and thanks to the folks that did the stage for us this week. Uh, thank you. And I don't even know if they're in here. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, I want to embarrass them by telling you who that is, but uh, if you want to find out, we'll let you know. Okay. Uh, people are coming in. I want to start off with uh, a statement because we've been studying this for six weeks, or this is the six weeks. Most of us should know far more about heaven than we did six weeks ago, right? I think I do. Hopefully you do too. We compared near-death experiences with the Bible and saw how amazingly similar they are. No matter what the church background or religious background or ethnic background, most people saw somebody that appeared to be Jesus. (laughs) Uh, People that were dying had uh, restored bodies. Uh, the uh, professor last week, before he got started getting dragged into hell, he said he felt great, even though he, was, he had just died in the hospital in Paris. Um, blind people saw for the first time. That is really amazing. Uh, some, some children met siblings they never even knew they had because they were stillborn or, or died before they were born. Their parents never told them about Just all kinds of fascinating things we've learned uh, through this series. So hopefully you know more about heaven. Now, if you're like me, you still have more questions, <laughs> uh, tons of questions, but we still know more. But even though we don't know more, so what? Has it changed your life? Has it affected you other than just intellectually? Has it changed your relationships any? Has it changed your relationship with God any? Uh, most of us probably believe most of what we've heard. Uh, some of you might have not believed any of it. Um, maybe somebody believed everything they've heard. I don't know. I'm a kind of a skeptic, so I'll question a few things. But so what? You know, I spent a lot of time preparing these, these messages. You spent at least a half hour a week listening to them. So what? Because the truth is this. There's a lot of things you know and I know that are true that make no difference in your life. And just in case you didn't believe me, I'm going to prove it to you, okay? Here we go. Hippos manufacture their own sunscreen, a red-orange sweat that protects them from UV rays. Isn't that fascinating? I thought that was fascinating. I never knew that before. It's actually true. Um, anybody have a hippo at home? Ah, so it probably doesn't make much difference to you, right? But it's true. Now let's try another one. If two pieces of metal touch in outer space, they weld together permanently. It's called uh, cold welding. Something about no no oxygen being up there. This is a real problem for astronauts, right? You put a screwdriver on something, you can't get it back off. So I'm sure they figured all that out. Uh, Anybody been in space lately? So you probably don't really care too much about that one either. Maybe this next one will get you. Flamingos can only eat with their heads upside down. Evidently, that's true. Anybody have flamingos at home? Anyone? No one? Anyone? 
probably don't really care too much, do you? You say, Pastor, what do you do all week? Look up goofy stuff? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I do other stuff. All right, one other and then we'll move on. You guys that play instruments up front, pay attention. 8,000 Americans are injured by musical instruments every year. So your guitar and your keyboard are dangerous. All right. Tom, you do get injured playing sometimes. Where are you? <laughs> That's true. And unless you're a musician, eh, it probably doesn't matter all that much. So if all this stuff about heaven is true, so what? What if the ultimate question isn't, what if it's true? Because it could be true and you could still be missing the whole point. What if the ultimate question is actually this? So what are you going to do? Um, one day Jesus came to his disciples and said, Hey, who do people say I am? Oh, some think you're John the Baptist, come back to life. Some think you're Elijah or some other prophet, just a great teacher, whatever. And then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, he said, I think you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so Peter committed his life to following Jesus because of that truth. So what are you and I going to do because of this truth? Because the reality is this. Knowledge without application is zero value. Right? You got a, a, a room at home that needs to be painted. So you go to Lowe's, Home Depot, wherever, and buy some paint, paintbrush, uh, rollers, the whole works. You bring it home, stick it in your basement or your garage. Has it made any value? I mean, it cost you something, but it hasn't improved that room that needed to be painted at all because application makes all the difference. So we've got all this knowledge about heaven we didn't have before. But what application have we made? See, the decisions you make about Jesus today or any day echo or reverberate for eternity, forever. So what does it really mean to be surrender your life to Jesus? Some of you think that God is out to get you. You don't really think that God is for you. And maybe you're searching for something and, it, and you can't find it. There's something, you know there's something missing. There's got to be more to life than this. Sometimes we describe it as this, this missing piece or this hole and, and, you, and you try and fill it with relationships or things or activities or, or whatever it might be and it's just nothing completely satisfies. So we're gonna, I'm going to try and help you make sure you understand what that is. So we're going to look at something very, first verse anyway, very familiar part of the Bible. It's uh, written by John and we're going to start in John 3, 16. All right. One of the first verses you learned probably if, if you were in church as a child. But this is how God loved the world. Now some people don't think God loved the world. In fact, a lot of people that aren't church people look at church people and think that God doesn't love the world because we don't. But God truly does love the world. And as we're going to see from this verse and following verses that it can't be disputed at all. So this is how God loved the world. How did, how did he love the world? What, what, what proof do we have? Why do we not need to question this? And here's the reason. He gave his one and only son. I've got three sons. I've got four kids. I can't imagine sacrificing any of them. Many of you have children. Can you imagine sacrificing one for any reason? 
Yet, uh, Burks, you got a new one. Can you imagine sacrificing that, that new one? Can't imagine. It's, it's, unbel- it's unimaginable, right? Yet God only had one son, and he sacrificed him because, as I said last week, it was the only way that we could be reconnected with God. If there was any other way, he would have done it, right? <clears throat> he made this decision, well, before history, actually, but in our context, probably the time of Adam and Eve. And it's all about relationship. God created us to be in relationship with him. We messed it up. He wants to do everything he can to make it right, to fix it. So why would he do that unless he truly loved us? He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Now sometimes us Christians get accused of being exclusive because we say you've got to believe in Jesus. But the reality is Christianity is the only religion that's all-inclusive, right? Because every other religion, you've got to believe this or do this or whatever. Christianity says everybody, completely the same. Everybody's on the same foundation. Everybody has the same need. Everybody comes the same way. And as we're going to see, it's a free gift. It's a choice. That's all it is. So Christianity is truly inclusive. Now, in this world, we don't completely experience our relationship with God. It's, it's kind of like in a shadow. It's, uh, it, we, we only experience it in part, the Bible says. You got to think about the greatest day of your life. When was the greatest day of your life? I did a wedding yesterday. It was fantastic. It was great. The weather was great. The venue was great. And the couple just smiled, beaming smile through the whole thing, right? And maybe you remember your wedding day. Maybe it was like that. Maybe that's the greatest day of your life. Or when you, one of your children were born. The first one, of course, then you have the second or third one, whatever. Uh, they're all just fantastic days, right? Or maybe you graduated from college or got that great job or whatever it might be. That experience, whatever it is, is only a shadow of the experience of heaven. It's kind of like one thousandth of what heaven's going to be like. We just can't imagine it. That was part of the problem this whole series, right? These near-death experience, people just, just, just can't explain it. Well, that's what he means by eternal life. This is full life. We, we only experience partial life, but we'll experience life to its fullest. God sent his son into the world not, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. A lot of people think God wants to judge them, right? He's just pointing a finger and saying, you're bad and, and so forth. That's not true, right? God said, he did not come to judge the world, but to save it. We were already condemned, so the only purpose he would have to come is to save us or to bring us back to himself. What other motivation could he have? Then he says, he just reiterates, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. We talked about this last week. Remember, there's two judgments if you were here. If you believe in him, there's no judgment judgment. Judgment is kind of an award ceremony, right? And the stuff that you and I have done of value as following Jesus gets rewarded. The other stuff just kind of disappears, but there's no, I guess punishment would be a good word. There's no punishment for a believer. All your punishment and mine fell on Jesus on the cross, okay? So there's no, there's no punishment left. But, obviously, everybody has the option, so there's another option. Anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. So that's a choice. 
And then you are judged by the fact that you've made that choice. <clears throat> now, this judgment is based on something. It's based on this fact. So what's it based on? Well, John goes on to explain. God's light came into the world. That was Jesus. But people loved the darkness. People rejected him more than the light for their actions were evil. Now this is interesting to me because we try and hide. Darkness is to hide, right? And we try and hide from God. But is that possible? You can think of like Adam and Eve. They went and tried to hide from God. And God says, hey, where are you? He knew where they were. <laughs> he knew where they were all along. And he knows where you and I am all along. We, as we looked in this series, he knows even what we think, right? You can't hide anything from God. In fact, the next verse reiterates this. All who do evil hate the light, refuse to go near it, for they fear their sins will be exposed. Well, their sins are already exposed, right? God sees everything. He already knows. And the amazing thing is, even though he knows and sees everything we've ever done, everything we ever thought, he still loves us. It's hard for us to love us, right? Because of the stuff we've done and stuff we thought. But he still loves us. And we're completely exposed. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But those who do what is right come to the light. So you can either... Flee to the darkness or come to the light. The right thing to do is come to the light. A light attracts us unless we've got something to hide. Come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. And then um, in the next chapter, Jesus is talking to this woman at the well. We talked about that a few weeks ago. <clears throat> and he says this to her. If you only knew the gift, it's a gift. God has for you and who you're speaking to you would ask me and I would give you living water. So is God willing to give it? Yeah. He said, if you just ask, you know, I'll give it to you. You just have to ask. God is willing. The only question is, are we willing? Are you willing? Am I willing to ask? That's the only op uh, choices. They're the, the only question. Nothing else uh, really matters. It's not about rights and wrongs and doing what's right or, or whatever it might be. And then we're going to read some of Revelation that we've read several times in this series as it relates to this topic that we're talking about today. So we're going to start in Revelation 22. The angel showed me a river with the water of life. This is this full life that we've only experienced in part here on earth. Clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God in the Lamb. And they, us, will see his face. Now, again, it's all about relationship and no one's able to see God through hist the history of the world. Uh, but in heaven, we'll be able to see God face to face. You know, it's just, just mind-boggling to think that we'll be able to have that kind of uh, relationship with God. His name will be written on their foreheads. I'm not quite sure what that means. We were discussing that after the first service. I, I think it, whatever it might mean, it must mean the fact that we are his, all right? We are his, his, his children. We are his child. We are in relationship with him. There'll be no more night. We heard that in the testimonies. Our need for lamps or sun. The Lord God will shine on them. It, just this light permeating heaven. And then this is fascinating too. That, that 
and they are us, we will reign forever and ever. So I don't understand this, but there's going to be some kind of reigning we're going to get to do in heaven when we get there. Uh, of course, Jesus is the King of King and Lord of Lords, but we're like sub-lords or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know who we're reigning over or what we'll be reigning over, but that's part of the promise, right? Again, just mind-boggling. Then the angel said to me, Everything you've heard and seen is trustworthy and true. Now, you may have believed it all or maybe not believed it all, but they claim it's true, and best we can tell, especially from the death experiences, all this stuff is really true. Even some things we might have thought were, yeah, there's not going to be really a crystal sea, and we're going to hear him talk about that. To, uh, or pearly gates. Well, somebody talked about pearly gates and, and all that other stuff. So, it's true. Again, so the truth isn't the question. We have a, a different question. So what? Look, Jesus speaking, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Now, <laughs> did anybody in these near-death experiences think they were going to die that day? You know, I went, I went rafting, whitewater rafting, expecting to die. Or I was walking around Paris, I was expecting to die. Or I was in this airplane, I expected to die. Or I was in my car driving, I expected to die. No, no, everybody was surprised. No one expected to die. And we don't know. <laughs> Jesus may come back before we leave this building. One of us may die this today or this week or this month. It would be pretty soon, wouldn't it? Somebody's dying today, right? So he's coming soon. Or we're coming to meet him. This only book in the Bible that says you are blessed by reading it, Revelation. Now, I believe it's all good and you read it all and you're blessed by reading it all. But this is the only one that specifically says you're blessed for reading it. And then skipping down a few verses, he says this, John's writing this. Look, I am coming soon, he reiterates that. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to the deeds. And again, we talked about that last week, right? If you're in Jesus, the things that you've done of value to Jesus will be rewarded in the beam of seat judgment, okay? Bad stuff will be gone, forgiven, forgotten. He goes on, I'm the Alpha and Omega. That's like A, and A, A to the Z. First and the last, beginning and the end. All of history is about Jesus. All right? All of history. So blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit of the tree of life. We are stained here on earth, right? Stained by sin. But once we get to heaven, we'll be washed completely clean. <clears throat> and then there's the negative. Outside the city, other dogs, sorcerer, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. See, anyone outside of Jesus is living a lie. Most of the people don't realize it, but they think, you know, they're more important or they, something they're doing is more important, some relationship's more important than Jesus. But it's a lie. There's nothing more important. Now, as long as you're still breathing here on earth, it's whatever, it doesn't matter, even a murderer, it's not fatal, is it? It's forgivable through Jesus if you make that choice. So Jesus said, I sent my angel to give this message for the churches. And then he has this wonderful, wonderful 
open invitation in the next verse. Let anyone, everyone who is thirsty, who has a desire to come. Let anyone who desires a drink, drink freely. There's no cost of the water of life. I don't know how it could be any more clear. If you have any desire at all, come on. And there's no requirements. It's free. The question is, what's stopping you? And some of us are already Jesus followers, but what's stopping you from drinking more deeply? Maybe that's the best way to describe it. So I want to take a couple minutes this morning and, and answer this next question. Why did I decide to become a Christian? Now, I didn't grow up in church. Some of you, I know, Roy, you've been in church since you were born. <laughs> I didn't have that privilege, and I think it is a privilege, and maybe you have, but I didn't. I was about 13 when my family started, we were invited, and we started going to, to a local Baptist church. So I didn't know any of the stuff that some of you learn as children. I didn't know those Bible stories. I didn't know any of that stuff. So as I'm attending this church and hearing this stuff for the first time as a 13-year-old, I just found it fascinating. And it, and it, and it just seemed to ring true. Um, and maybe the people that were teaching me were doing a good job. I assume they were. <clears throat> and I, I often say that I'm a Christian because it makes sense. If you assume a couple presuppositions, that there is a God and he is holy and I'm a sinner, then all of Christianity makes sense. In fact, it's the only thing that makes sense. All right? I have a desire to be in relationship with God. I might not know it, but when I figure that out, he's made it possible for me to have that relationship with God. I read something this morning, that the Bible is not for information, it's for transformation. And so, uh, when I read the Bible, I, it began to transform me even to the place where I accepted that gift of forgiveness and the burden of guilt and shame was lifted even as a teenager. And this continued. Some of you probably left the faith or left following Jesus as a teenager or a young adult. Uh, that never happened to me. <laughs> I, I just kept, it just kept drawing me. And just before I turned 18, I felt, okay, God, I, I'm giving you my life. And he says, I want you to, you know, Teach people this stuff. That's your profession for life. And so that's what I've done for the last 40 years. That's what I went to school to do. And again, it, it, never, it always proved true. It proved, uh, it satisfied a need I had that nothing else could satisfy. It gave me a purpose and meaning in life that nothing else uh, could, could give. And it's changed me. And it's continued to mold me. And Probably not changed me as fast as my wife and kids would have preferred, but uh, I'm a more loving and kind and, and less judgmental person today than I am was 40 years ago or 20 years ago or, or whatever it might be. And many of you could say the same thing. So we're going to see one more video. Actually, this is Dale Black, the airplane pilot. Three pilots were in a plane. It crashed. The other two actually died. And uh, Dale Black had a near-death experience. And as you listen, I want you to pay attention to what you and I are invited into. Did you, did you see Jesus? Later, I did. That was the last thing that happened after going through the city and asking questions and 
going through at the very last moment, I had been ushered closer and closer toward the light, toward the light, toward the light. The light that's in the center, center of the city. Yeah, and then there was a stairway that was near the glass sea, which it looked like a sea, and a stairway that went up, and a large angel with the most uh, power, if we would say that, and it was clear that he was basically in charge of that stairway. And uh, I be- just began to communicate uh, to this angel heart to heart. Again, it's hard to say, did we talk? It seemed like it, but then it seemed like we didn't. This communication was, was just impeccably pure. And I began to recognize, I can't go up there. I can't go up. I, I can't go up and still go back. And I was thinking, go back, go back. What, what, what do we mean? What's that mean? And as soon as I'm thinking, go back, the angel moved just to the side. But I looked into the eyes of the warmest, kindness, most wonderful. I knew this was the son of God. I knew this was my savior. And all of a sudden my knees buckled, my legs lost their strength. And I just went down. I couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. I was, I was not worthy. To st- I was not worthy to stand in his presence. Funny that I didn't feel worthy to be in heaven yet. I knew I was worthy in the early part. I was somehow given this, granted this authority, but I had this supernatural uh, gift that I was worthy. Somebody had done something for me. He had. Yes. And so I'm down on my, just falling down, and I see his feet, and I grab them, and I hold his feet, and I see the scars. And I know this is the Son of God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. It is because of him he died for everybody. It's so cool because the Bible even says, no, I take that back. Jesus said that uh, I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world through me will be saved. And it was because of that. He was, he's not condemning anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. What sins you've done, including murder, it doesn't matter what you've done. All of it is, re, is forgivable. God can forgive anybody of anything. And then we have this free gift that we call salvation. You and I know about And that's it. what you felt and at his of feet. Course, like. I just, but to describe this experience, I just stopped at his feet and, and I was worshiping him in down on the ground there. And I heard the voice, Dale, do you love me? (laughs) That's it. Do you love me? Mm. And I'm trying to think of all these words to say. And I'm getting ready to say, in a sense, I'm getting ready to say, but I've said nothing. And I'm getting ready to say, of course I love you, Lord. I remember who you are and what you do. I'm getting ready to say that. And he bends down and whispers into my ear. And I'm now back. The imitation 
comes from the warmest, kindest person. The decision you make about Jesus today echoes forever. Are you running? You know, and I didn't run from Jesus' salvation, but I ran from my calling to be a pastor for a while. Kind of fun, funny. You can't really, <laughs> you can't run out, outrun God, you know? It's just, <laughs> it's kind of silly. But if you're running from God, you know what you're actually running from? You're running from the most loving, kind, warm. You're running from love. So if you're running from love, what are you running to? To fear and doubt. Are you thirsty? That's the question. If you're thirsty, come and drink. It's free. So the ultimate question isn't, so what if it's true? The ultimate question is, so what are you and I going to do? And lastly, you're invited to trust your life to Jesus. If you've already done that, maybe there's a part of your life you're holding back. Are you trusting 100%? Or is it only 90% or 80%? Fully trust him. On your response card, there's a place to check, connect card. Next step. What's the next step? There's always a next step. Christianity is not stagnant. It's a constant transformation, right? So what's the next step? What's the next transformation for you? I'm going to pray and give you an opportunity to think about that for a minute. And then we're going to have uh, a, one of our families come forward. We're going to pray for them. This is the last Sunday with us. And then we'll have a song and we'll let you go. <clears throat> Father God, thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for these testimonies and near-death experiences. It made it, I guess, just more, seem more real. Um, the invitation is always open. It's come originally with our sin and our guilt and shame and enter into a relationship with you. But the invitation is constant to, to, to transformation, becoming more like Jesus. And that we should all be in, in transformation mode. We all should be thirsty for something. The question is, are we willing to come and drink? So I pray for these folks. God, I don't know where they are, what their thirst is for, but we, we know that you, only you satisfy. And if they'll make that choice, they'll step across that line, they'll make that sacrifice, they'll make that surrender. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.